Hello, everyone, and welcome to KASB's The Advocate podcast for January 20th, 2023. I'm Leah Flyder, and I'm joined today by my KASB advocacy colleagues, Scott Rothschild and John Forer, and our producer, the fabulous Alec Mandrigal. We had a great advocacy in action conference this past week. It was on Tuesday. We had about 70 school board members and other educational leaders head over to the Kansas State House to meet with uh, their legislators and uh, begin or strengthen relationships that they have with those lawmakers in order to establish ourselves as, as trusted sources of information as the legislative session kicks into high gear. It was especially important for those folks to uh, make that trip this year because we have a, a large number of new legislators. And so that's very helpful for our folks to get in the door and uh, and get those conversations started. So we appreciate those, those advocates making the trip to Topeka and doing a really good job advocating for K-12 public schools and for the students we serve. Well, that wasn't the only thing that happened this week. We had a lot of committees that started meeting. Uh, many of their their hearings in the beginning of the legislative session are mostly informational. John was doing a great job covering those this week. So John, you wanna brief us on what some of those uh, those initial committee hearings have been about this week? Yeah, I'll go ahead and just give a quick little uh, rundown, kind of highlight of the House Education Committee and the House K-12 Education Budget Committee. So kind of on Tuesday, the Education Budget Committee had a hearing that was just kind of a briefing over last year's House Bill 2567. This was, as many of you uh, recall, the big kind of bundled bill that had a lot of the policy and the funding. Um, And so they uh, went through the entire bill. Um, One area of interest or highlight, uh, one of the members of the committee, uh, Representative Johnson, had asked a question about uh, children of teachers and how that would play into the open enrollment that was in that bill. Um, He had heard some concerns from his constituents um, that teachers, children would have to enter or be part of the lottery um, to be admitted to the schools. And so they asked the revisor and the the consensus was kind of, you know, the bill was ambiguous about it um, and that the legislature, them as the legislature had the power to, you know, make it not ambiguous. And so uh, representative or chairwoman, uh, Representative Williams, uh, noted that this was an issue that they were aware of and gave the uh, revisor kind of the permission to go ahead and draft an amendment so that teachers' children would not be part of that lottery process. They'd be an exception. They'd just be able to automatically be admitted to a school if it was one that the family did not reside in, but the teacher taught at. That's good um, news for our members, Scott yeah. John, because um, you know many of many of our folks say that uh, that really helps with teacher recruitment and retention. That if you have a teacher who doesn't live in your district but they teach in your district, if they can just bring their kids along with them when they drive to school and and everybody's in the same school district, it's very helpful. So that's that's really good news. Yes, it is. And then so kind of continuing on on Wednesday, both the House Education and the K-12 budget committees both had uh, briefings on the school finance formula. So both uh, legislative research and the Kansas Department of Education both provided some information um, on the various weightings and how various state aids were calculated and kind of just how all that formula comes together to produce the overall amount. Um, Very important information, especially for 
a lot of the new members on the K-12 Education Budget Committee to really kind of understand kind of the fundamentals of uh, the budget as they kind of go forward um, to start drafting policy. Then finally, on Thursday, the House Education Committee, they had, they first started with a very brief uh, presentation on career and technical education. Some kind of fun facts from there that uh, in 2021, uh, 981 credentials were earned um, throughout the state of Kansas. So these are high school students who received some type of career or technical education credential um, by the time they graduated. And then there was a little bit brief, uh, brief conversation about some barriers that prevented students from achieving more credentials, uh, one of which is in the uh, legislation, the law that kind of established CTE programs. They have specific credentials that are outlined. If you go kind of outside of those specified credentials, then schools may not get reimbursed for kind of providing those credentials. So there was some talk about maybe a bill coming up in the future that would maybe broaden those to help students uh, earn credentials that employers out in the real uh, world are actually looking for in students. The bigger kind of hearing that day uh, was related to the uh, Keisha proposed waiting. I'll preface this by saying this was something that KSB did not necessarily get involved with. But we know that a lot of our members were interested in kind of the how this kind of process went down. So there were over 20 written or oral testimonies, and it was pretty split in terms of those who were for uh, the bill and those who were against. Kind of just to summarize the proponents, uh, they had kind of called the disproportionate number of state championships uh, that private schools had won over private or public schools um, was unfair and needed to be adjusted through a waiting. Uh, opponents of the bill. Uh, kind of, they stated essentially that, you know, a lot of schools were going to be punished for being successful and that in some cases, maybe one program, maybe the golf program or the tennis program was going to kind of cause everybody else to go up in a waiting. Um, and I'll just kind of fin finish, wrap this all up with this bill. So for those of you who are paying attention to it, you know that Keisha has kind of a plan outlined for their waiting. Um, the bill that they were hearing does not specifically outline that plan. Um, it just kind of gives general authority to implement other other factors when determining weightings. And so there was just a little bit of conversation about that. And that kind of just wraps up just real brief overview of kind of what we heard this week in those two education committees. And I believe Scott uh, sat in on both Senate education and Senate assessment and taxation and heard a couple of bills of interest. Yeah. And thank you, John. Uh, yeah, uh, Senate tax uh, started ha having hearings on bills uh, this week, and they heard three bills dealing with uh, granting a back-to-school sales tax holiday uh, in August. Uh, one bill is by Senator uh, Virgil Peck, uh, one bill is by Senator Fausto and one bill was brought by Senator Dinah Sykes, uh, and I believe it kind of represents the governor's uh, plan. So we have a pretty wide spectrum of political uh, beliefs there uh, behind the sales tax holiday. All of them, the, the general uh, idea is uh, uh, first weekends or so in August uh, provide a, a state sales tax holiday on purchases of school supplies, uh, clothing, um, you know, art materials, things like that. And the bills vary in like the length. Um, is it two days or three days? And, and uh, some of the bills have a limit on the, uh, the, the dollar amount of the items purchased, but things like that. 
So they heard those bills in Senate tax, and they're going to, I believe the committee chair, Karen Tyson, said she was going to work them uh, this upcoming week. So uh, there may be some kind of quick movement on on a sales tax holiday. Uh, Senate Ed uh, heard uh, a lot of uh, review of ESSER funds. I don't know if you can hear my dog is going crazy in the background. Uh, He's a fan of the Senate Education Committee. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) So they heard some uh, review of how we're spending ESSER funds. Uh, There was kind of a review uh, from the uh, private colleges. uh, And so they were gathering a lot of information this week. Um, so next week, uh, we'll, we may see some movement on the, uh, on the, uh, sales tax holiday, back to school sales tax holiday. Well, that'll be interesting. We, uh, you know, there were some additional bills, uh, introduced this week and there's already a hearing coming up on one, uh, um, early next week, there was a bill introduced to establish a special education task force to study how special education is delivered in the state and to uh, examine the funding model. There was a similar task force that uh, was set up about a decade ago that produced some results and uh, it included many members of the education community, including KASB, uh, KNEA, the United School Administrators of Kansas. So all those groups were reflected on that task force. This new bill that was introduced this week and a, a hearing is taking place on, I believe it's Tuesday, sets up a task force, but it does not include those education organizations who represent the people who do the actual boots on the ground work. So we're going to testify that a task force is good but uh, it probably needs to include a little more than uh, what's included in the first draft of the bill. Scott, you want to talk a little bit more about that? I know you're working on that right. testimony. Right. And, and, and we're going to also say not only does we, we believe that the task force needs to be a little bit more representative, but we don't want the task force to be used as an uh, excuse to delay an increase in, sped, in special education funding. Uh, special education funding, as probably most folks who listen to our podcast know, is a big uh, priority of ours this year. Uh, the state is funding about 76%, I believe, uh, of the excess costs when the statutory level is supposed to be 92%. So, uh, as Leah said, we're going to testify as neutral. Uh, task forces are great if they can improve things, but we don't want this to be uh, any kind. I think we can have a task force and increase uh, SPED funding at the same time. So um, uh, we'll, we'll be testifying uh, in that. Uh, I think it's, believe, it's before the House K-12 Education Budget Committee. I was going to add, um, just while we're on the topic of special education, before we kind of get into some of the other hearings next week, There was also a House concurrent resolution um, that related to special education that um, was just read in. It's HCR 5004, um, and this was signed on by, I know, the House Education Budget Committee and the House Education Committee, um, kind of both jointly kind of signed on to this. And it just urges the U.S. Congress to uh, fully fund the federal government's uh, original funding promise of 40%. Um, and so I imagine they'll hope to, you know, pass the HCR and then deliver that um, to their federal counterparts. 
Yeah, I think we should note that that concurrent resolution says that, you know, Congress pledged to provide up to 40% and that the state law says that the state will fund 92% of, of the excess costs after the federal government uh, pitches in its share. Uh, what I think we all need to, to be sure we're, we're talking about here is that uh, both of those entities need to fulfill their promise. You know, it's not either or if the feds would do their share, the state wouldn't have to do anything. You know, both entities need to step up uh, for the best interests of Kansas kids. So we'll, we're certainly keeping an eye on that, but it's uh, it's good that we're moving forward with kind of a two-pronged approach. You know, the governor uh, released her budget that said, hey, let's phase in full special education funding over the next five years while we are also pressing the federal delegation for movement on federal SPED funding. So, uh, you know, perhaps this is something that we can all work on together and we'll see how it plays out. So turning to next week, we have a number of bill hearings coming up and uh, I'll just uh, get started. I think if, if our listeners are uh, social media fans, you might know there's that popular sort of meme of the cat tapping away madly at a, at a computer keyboard. That's your advocacy staff this weekend working on uh, working on testimony that's due early next week. Uh, there's a bill coming up next week, House Bill 2040, which says that school districts um, can use their current year enrollment when they're calculating their base state aid request for, for funding from the State Department of Education. Uh, currently, um, and guys, uh, correct me if I get this wrong, but you you basically use your last year's um, FTE enrollment. John, help me out. So from my understanding, it, you can either use your last year's enrollment or your second prior year enrollment. Yes, thank whichever you. Whichever is highest, um, you can use as your FTE count. Right. And so. And this bill will say, in addition to that, if you're a growing district, you could use your current year enrollment to figure your base state aid. So just to be clear, it's just adding another option for people. It allows districts to use whatever is most advantageous to them. So we'll be testifying in favor of that bill. Uh, we also are monitoring and will testify against House Bill 2030, which prohibits Keisha from preventing non-public school students from participating in public school sports and activities. As our listeners may know, Keisha and the public schools have a pretty good partnership on allowing non-public schools students to participate in activities and athletics on a, on a local control basis. And so we would prefer for that to remain in place. There's another bill that we're following and we'll testify in favor of on behalf of our members. There's a bill that says that the state will continue to fund the cost of sending out the notices for revenue neutral rate hearings. As you may know, the law that was passed fairly recently says that county clerks offices will pay for that revenue neutral rate notice for two years. But then after that, the local governmental entities would have to pay for it. So we would prefer to have school districts just completely exempted from that revenue neutral rate hearing requirement because we already comply with so many notifications about our budgets. But in the absence of that, we will testify that this proposal to have the county clerks continue to pay for it and be reimbursed by the state would be uh, acceptable to us. And then of course we'll be testifying as I mentioned on the special education uh, task force. 
The big bill that we're going to be testifying against will be this week or this coming week will be on Wednesday at 3.30 in House Education K-12 budget. And that is House Bill 2048. Uh, yeah, we will, we will be opposing House Bill 2048. What this bill does is it expands the tax credit uh, tuition program. Currently, uh, students low-income students from kindergarten through eighth grade are eligible for these scholarships. This bill would expand it to uh, all students, can, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade. Plus it increases, uh, it wouldn't just be low-income students, it increases the eligibility to families uh, who are earning 250% of the federal poverty level. So a family of four, uh, can earn uh, a household income of $75,000. That would be 250% of the, of the uh, federal poverty level. Uh, the expansion uh, is pretty significant. And uh, on, on philosophical grounds, we at KASB and a lot of education groups oppose this kind of program. Another thing I forgot to mention, I'm sorry, I'll, in mid-sentence there, but another thing it does is it expands the tax credit that funders of these scholarships get from 70% of their taxes to 100%. So I don't know if you could really classify these as donations. I think these are basically tax avoidance uh, uh, programs. Uh, so it, it does expand uh, the program in many ways and uh, we are opposed to these kinds of expansions. Uh, we feel like um, this is helping create a two-tier system and, and is unfair to public schools. Thanks, Scott. You know, the, I think a lot of the rhetoric that we're going to hear from the proponents of this uh, voucher system is that, you know, schools aren't, uh, you know, schools are not serving low-income students well, and that therefore they need a, they need a voucher to go somewhere else. Well, we've shared with all of you KSV's research on, uh, you know, if you adjust uh, across public and private schools for uh, kids with low incomes and and challenges. In most, in most cases, low-income students in public or private schools, they do just about as well on state assessments, regardless of the school they attend. Okay, so as you can, as you can tell, we had a busy week here in the uh, opening week of the session, and we're going to have another very busy week uh, next week, submitting testimony and uh, advocating for kids. If you would like more information about how to testify for or against uh, any of these bills, please let us know and we'll help you out there. It's very important for education advocates to make their voices heard. Scott, John, anything you want to add for the good of the order before we sign off for the week? Uh, the Kansas Teacher of the Year team will be visiting the State House this week. This is always a good way for legislators to hear from actual teachers and hear what's going on in the classroom. And I believe the governor is giving her state of the state this week this upcoming week. Oh, that's right. It's a little less dramatic than usual because uh, she usually gives it at the start of the session. She had a false COVID test and uh, her budget is already out. So uh, there, there won't be as much drama uh, this time unless she decides to make uh, some, some news. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Well, thanks again to our producer, Alec Mandrigal. Uh, this podcast will be posted uh, later today, which is Friday. And uh, we will... Look forward to talking with you all and perhaps seeing some of you next week. Have a great weekend.